Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 735, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Let's read the passage. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this Gospel to convince a Jewish audience that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited one promised in the Old Testament, and that they should place their faith in him. Is in this section of Jesus' teaching ministry we call the Sermon on the Mount. He's in Galilee, somewhat north of Capernaum probably, and he's teaching his disciples. There's a large group standing by watching and listening, but he's specifically teaching his followers. Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, then the distinctiveness of Christians, then the idea of fulfilling the law, that the Old Testament's still valid, but Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament and the law, not abolish it, but you have to go to him to understand how to apply it. Talk about acts of righteousness should be doing things that seem righteous to impress others. It should be between you and God. Talked about treasures in heaven. Worry about the things of heaven versus the things of earth. He talked about not worrying about material things. And then the section on being judgmental. Now, verse 7, he shifts and says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. I think the imagery is pretty plain. Most everybody agrees he's not really specifically talking about three different things. He's using three descriptors to talk about the same thing. He's talking about going to God, asking, seeking, and knocking. They're really synonyms. The words are not synonyms, but he's using them in the same way. And so it's just a literary device to make a big point, these three specific things. Now the words actually mean different things. Ask, you'd be asking for something. Seeking, you'd be maybe seeking answers. Knocking, perhaps looking for opportunities. The whole point there is that you're going to God. Now each of these verbs is an imperative, it is a command, but they're also in the present tense. And so it implies an ongoing action. So probably not the point of keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, but it is the idea that it's a a continuous present action, not a one and done thing. That would make sense about going to God. It's an ongoing thing. And and each of these has an answer. Ask, and it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, there will be open. Then verse 8, basically repeats it. It says, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So he basically has this 
this group of three things that it repeats again. So he's, he's making the point. The point is keep going to God and God will provide. So that's the simple lesson in this. Keep going to God and God will provide. That goes along with what we've seen already. William's talking about the acts of righteousness that your father who sees in secret will reward you. William's talking about don't worry, he says, because your heavenly father knows what you need. So he's already been hitting this idea that God will provide for your needs. That was part of the model prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Now he gives a, an actual specific example in verses 9 through 11. 9. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Bread was generally not made in a loaf so much as more like a flat pita bread, pancake-looking thing. And so it would look a lot like perhaps a flat stone. So you could perhaps pass off a flat stone as a bread cake or a snake. It looks something like a fish, maybe. The whole point here is nobody's going to do that to their child. Your child is hungry. You don't give them something that's not edible, something that's not good to eat. And so he's talking about basic foodstuffs here. He's not talking about elaborate, over-the-top extravagance. He's talking about basic food. In verse 11, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So the example is earthly parents. Earthly parents take care of their kids. And the point that earthly parents are fallen, corrupt people. And even they do good things for their kids, take care of their kids. And if that's what fallen, sinful, corrupt parents do on earth, well, how much more can we trust God to do good things for his people? So what's the takeaway from this? Well, the first part, 7 and 8, keep going to God. And 9 through 11, trust God for good things. Is it a promise that God will give us whatever we ask? No, no, it's not. And in fact, if, if we look through the New Testament, we see all kinds of places where God did not rescue the person in distress. God did not provide the answer that was sought. God did not provide the deliverance that was desired. God did not provide things that were needed, often not in the time frame desired, because God has his own time frame, sometimes just because it is not the way it worked out in God's plan. Paul talked about having this thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to remove it three times. But God's answer was, no, it is to my glory for you to carry this thorn in the flesh so that you will become proud and I will be glorified. So God's plan is at work here. It's not a flat promise. You go to God and ask him for anything and he will provide it. So what's the point? The point is, keep going to God. The point is, keep trusting God. In verse 12, he's summing up this section. He says, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. This sounds pretty much like love your neighbor as yourself. And it is. And it's a, it's a long history in Judaism of 
the idea to love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, the greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is an important aspect. Now he's talking about the law and the prophets. That's the Old Testament. Later, we say he says, what's the summation of the Old Testament? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Here he just uses the love your neighbor as yourself aspect. This is the law and the prophets. He's been talking about issues of the heart. So in this section, the issues of the heart are keep going to God and trust God to do the right thing and love others as yourself. A lot of times we struggle with the idea of unanswered prayer. And some even say, well, God's not going to answer my prayers. Why pray? Well, then we have to go back to what's the purpose of prayer? Is the purpose of prayer to get stuff from God? That just turns God into this cosmic vending machine. Or is the purpose of prayer to connect with God? He even used the example of earthly parents. Is the purpose of earthly parents to provide what you want? No. Parents' responsibility is to care for the child and provide what they need, not what they want. Just as the, the example is here for the earthly parents, they can teach us a lot about God. Children want things from their parents. We all do. But the parents don't necessarily provide. Now, sometimes parents are not able to provide everything the child wants. But usually it's that the parents know it's not in the child's best interest to provide everything that they want. And sometimes things that the child may think are incredibly bad, like going to the doctor and having some kind of medical procedure done, which would be uncomfortable and very much not desired but very much necessary. So it's up to the parent to decide what is appropriate, what is appropriate when, and to provide what is appropriate. Well, God knows best. God knows from a, an eternal perspective. And so it's what's appropriate in his plan. So keep going to God out of dependence and out of a relationship and trust that he will do best in his plan to provide what's necessary in the eternal perspective. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.